Hold on. I didn't hear you. One more time. Uh, hello? <laughs> wow, what a start. Episode one. I don't know my name. <laughs> Let me help you with that. I thought of sponsors that we should go for. Yeah. And 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 if there were companies that existed, us uh, um, sort of like slogans that they should use, and I came up, up yeah. with the Himmler Rope Company. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you hanging. Oh, 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 I thought I, I you know. I mean, it's perfect to, to do something like this, and we need, you know, yeah. we should have an eye on the the, the economics of this, because right. I think we're talking yeah, about, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I see, you know, private jet, uh, uh, like a compared to what corporate right. jet. I'm just and, thinking and, more of a drone, just a <laughs> drone, so we can send like, send like a, a few, like, I need some strawberries, can you send them over here? Well, it's good, we can fit one beer in the drone. Fine. That's it. That'd work. That's right? great. And then we can think of, you know, for each interview, the needs that the drone can meet. Mm -hmm. Like if you know, like Paul Canales, maybe he needs some basil. Exactly. You know, and, you know, Les McCann, maybe he needs like, you know, another um, kind of basil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but all right. So we want to, We're going to do this thing. Yeah. You talked about this thing. <clears throat> well, how, remember when you know you called me? I didn't yeah. call you. No, no. I you called, called you. I called you. I, I mean, what can I say? I was desperate. It was that time of my life. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> no, and our uh, the whole idea behind it was very, very vaguely, was, um, man, I spend all this time riding around in a van, to airports, doing all of these gigs with these people that have a very interesting life and a culture that things are changing so rapidly. Maybe that culture of, of the working musician, the traveling musician, the studio musician, maybe all that stuff is, is going to be gone. And it's such a beautiful culture filled with so many incredibly, uh, not just interesting people, but the, the way that our minds work mm. is, is very interesting. And uh, I just thought, man, we need to preserve that in some way, shape, or form. And that was just my very obvious thing that I came to you with. Yeah. And then from having d done some of the interviews with people, I was like, wow, this is really fun. I'm learning so much more than I thought I would, you know. But I think it's like, it's weird. It's we're at a time... You know, in our own lives and also maybe in the life of like a certain period of this country, you know, because I feel like we're just really kind of mostly speaking to Americans and like it's the thing I find most interesting that I think people will enjoy is that there's a, a specific viewpoint of a certain kind of person that's creative that you don't get when they're on an interview show where they're promoting something. Exactly. There, there's this yeah, cycle yeah. of like, you know... I mean, you've done interviews, I've done sure, interviews. Sure. I never go on a show, you know, I've done radio interviews where I'm like, I thought we were going to talk. I thought right. we were actually going to, like, this, I thought this no. would be fun. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, but then you sit down and you, t I, I, I love the notion of speaking with someone that I know has a wealth of information that I might not right. know a lot about, right. but I'm not asking them about a, a book that they just wrote and how they want to sell it and right. how they, or, or like a chef that's like, desperately wants his restaurant filled sure, or, or sure. you know or a director yeah. that has a doc or whatever absolutely you know but i you know when you called me i was just like the, the thing that really kind of resonated with me was this notion of like you know this american experience of creative people obviously we're musicians and we're yeah. gonna we have a lot of musicians in our lives but i sure. think you know the thing that's we'll be branching out once all those musicians hate us <laughs> <laughs> exactly or or claim that we stole their idea exactly. yeah no no of course but no but the, the thing that's 
awesome is that I find musicians, you know, and you're talking about traveling around, musicians actually have some of the best stories because they are traveling around. Like, a lot of people just stay in their little spot mm -hmm. and they don't really, you know, they watch the 24-hour news cycle and they're angry about things and they don't see what people are like other places. It's very true. It's very true. And, you know, I think what you touched on with the um, talking about the industry kind of interview is, is very important because... That's exactly what we did not want to do here. You know, the whole thing is just like, wow, you know, those times in life where you have an incredibly elucidating conversation with somebody that influences the way you go about how you go about your creative life. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's, I didn't go to music school. I know a lot of people did. I'm sorry and I went to music school, Charlie. No, no, no. <laughs> No, but it's that is one way of, of, of learning this knowledge and but but really you know, if you have a music school, I guess the whole idea is based on well, we need to show nuts and bolts what we you know, we have yeah. to have a specific curriculum and these are these are I's are being dotted, T's are being crossed, these are numbers, these are things you fill out. And and that serves a, a real distinct purpose in terms of the, the technical aspect of, of learning music. Right. But what about the visceral part? What about yeah. that personal intellectual part that is, if we've been playing music or making art or making food or whatever it is for thousands of years as human beings, how did that get passed down? Yeah. And I think the most, the stuff that sticks with me the most are the human experiences which I've had of people teaching me how to play music physically their concept who they are what the message is that they're getting and it really is kind of like trying to catch smoke you know yeah you really can't do it and that's why you you can teach what coltrane played physically mm. but it's never going to have that weight spiritually psychologically socially none of that stuff but you you can you can extract the bare uh technical conceptual essence of it yeah but that's only maybe 25 percent of the story Except, yeah and what what i thought of especially in talking with a lot of these people is that that's really how we learn information that's at least in my opinion the, that's the retained mm. and the most useful mm. is that visceral um vocal the verbal thing from person to person and the nonverbal thing as well from person sure. to person sure you know Just vibe. so mm. that's kind of at least how i felt about doing this and a lot of the conversation it was, it was pretty cool yeah like, for instance i didn't notice how obnoxious it was the first couple interviews i had no idea that i was saying yeah yeah right uh-huh right yeah uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> right right i was just well, i mean yeah and in all fair i mean how could you know because you know you're, you're you're not it's funny you're you're sort of hyper aware of this device recording something but at the same time you're like you you, you want to egg someone to keep going and you know feeding information it's you yeah. do and, and you don't you don't know it's like you've been playing forever and you can get on a stage and you can you can play a little bit of uh music but and it, it, it you know you know the landscape of that and you kind of know you're aware of your surroundings and what ha what's happening musical musically when you're doing an interview with someone like the paul canalis interview uh, you know i had done an interview with nels klein i did one with mike clark and yeah I it was all oh, like amazing yeah then i did this interview with paul who you know, when we were doing the interview, I thought, man, this is not going to be a great interview. I'm really out of my depth here in a lot of ways. I don't know what's going on. And then I listened back to it. I was like, 
this is one of the better interviews yeah, we have absolutely. Here, you know? Well, and maybe that being out of your depth was great because yeah. it basically got you, I mean, that listen, that interview's great. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, and, and, and honestly, one of the great things about the show is that, you know, for me, for anyone listening to this first episode, it's like, you know, oh, great. So, you know, my music, you know, Charlie's music, you think, well, it's a music thing. It, it really isn't. Actually, yeah. a lot of the conversations so far that we've had, sure. So they, they start out in music, but they'll go into, you know, I sat down with Vince Wilburn from, you know, the, Miles Davis's sure. nephew who co-runs the estate. And I mean, a lot of that interview was just a, just what it was like to grow up in Chicago yeah, in the 70s sure. and have that's this amazing. uncle, like, that's you know, yeah, that's yeah, a great one. Yeah. you know, he's just like, well, that's just my uncle. He just happens yeah. to be Miles Davis. But, yeah. you know, I wanted to be in Earth, Wind and Fire. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, sure he did. Of you course. know, so people, you know, might have this misconception that, oh, well, I'm going to listen to Charlie Hunter and I'm going to learn, you know, he's going to talk about like, you know, voice leading. Certainly, I don't touch on that. But one of the things that I really dug that you brought up, you know, when we were initially talking about this was speaking to, and I don't want to say older, you know, and it's not any kind of negative connotation, but speaking to like our elders, guys yeah. that we've learned from Absolutely. or that have really, you know, like, you know, so in this case, like a Les McCann or I'm, you know, I'm going to sit down with Stuart Levine, you know, Hugh Masekela's partner and producer. And it's like I, those interviews for me are intimidating because not only is there a thing for me with my old man where there's like, well, these are like my mentors. Sure. And I feel like, well, I got to live up to a thing. I'm the, you know, I'm the next big connections, yeah. but the big connections, but most of the conversations end up not really being about music because they're not bound to this, like, well, I'm talking about this record I produced and these are the knobs I twisted to get, you know, like... Of course not. That's, yeah. yeah, you know, this is the sort of, you know, confining, you know, thing, but... No, I agree. I mean, I, I was just, when you were saying that, I was just thinking, like, you know, when you're traveling as a musician, let's say you, you do a tour of Europe, you know, you're in these, you're in airports every day and mm. you're in these waiting in an hour, two hours, three hours, and you meet people in these waiting rooms, you know, and, and I, Absolutely. you know, I'm thinking of a time where I wish I had my recorder because I met a guy from Scotland who was a, a um, forensics guy oh, wow. for, he would be the guy on the scene that would have to do every murder, everything in Glasgow, and he, he, he was going back to testify. Crazy. He was going back there, and the, the stories that he told us for an hour were some of the best, most interesting things I've ever heard on, on this whole life. I was also one time in um, Brazil, I had a gig in Brazil in Belo Horizonte, and my plane, you know, you go to Miami and you have to get off, and I missed my connection because there were so many elderly people that had such a hard time getting off the plane that it took an hour to deplane. <laughs> so I missed my connection, and this set off this whole thing where I was delayed in um, Sao Paulo for 10 hours, and then um, we eventually got on a plane to Rio and uh, to Belo Horizonte and I was with all of these guys, Brazilian uh, mining engineers and a few oh. mine, like there was, was, was a Spanish guy and a German guy and they were mining engineers, you know, mm. and um, one was a gemologist, another, and they were the guys that I ended up hanging out with and we got, we were trying to go to Belo, but the weather, we had to stay in the Rio airport for 10 hours. Wow. So I hung out with these guys for 10 hours and the next day we ended up renting a car and driving the five hours to Belo Horizonte. So I was I was just a guy in with these five yeah. mining engineers and their conversations and their life and their reality yeah. and it was so fascinating the yeah. stuff they they talked about the things that their that entailed their kind of uh, their very 
specific reality. People you know? got stories. They do. They and do. yeah, and I think it's really cool. And that's funny. You just reminding me. And it's just it's not just being around musicians no. that are traveling. It's that because you are a musician and you're traveling, you're in a very, uh, I think a, a, a very unusual place to be able to meet people and also the playing field is also very level because it's just an unu- as an unusual place for them as it is for you absolutely in transit essentially and uh so you can we get hear some really special interesting stories in those situations absolutely it actually just made me think of something like you know, musicians tend to travel you know in, in groups mm-hmm so you have that sense of, you know, well, you know what happens when guys travel in groups and one guy's got a bunch of reefer in a bag or like, you know, or, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time after being a touring musician, DJing, and I liken it to sort of being like a, a, a stand-up comic. Stand-up comic, comic like yeah. Lenny Bruce back in the day. Yeah, well, but you're it, alone, so much, it's you. It's, it, I mean, and, and it's funny, you mentioned... Sitting on play, I talk to everyone. I speak with everyone. I, I hope I listen also, yeah. you know, when I'm speaking with them. But I did, you know, I, you know, sort of as a like a connection to what you were just saying. I met a guy once. I was sitting in business class. I never get to sit in business class. I'm sitting next to this guy, and he's like writing some stuff down on paper, and he's got this passport. But the passport, I've never seen a passport like this. Every page folds out to like 10 pages Whoa. and they're all full. So I just say to this guy, I, you know, I was like, you know, you know, I got seven hours to kill. I mean, yeah, hey, exactly. you, you know, yeah, yeah. come here let, often. Let me use you for seven hours <laughs> yes. to amuse me. And he dug it. I mean, I just said, um, what, what's up with your passport? He said, um, well, I'm in an interesting field. He was like, you know, I've basically visited every country in the world. And I was like, what do you do? And he says, I sell sheep. He sells sheep. What? He, so if you think about it, almost every you need sheep everywhere. Right. <laughs> he sells sheep. I don't, you know, well, I don't know about you, Charlie. Work. I don't know, but when I was five, I, you know, I you wanted to sell sheep. sheep. Yeah, right? I wanted to sell sheep. <laughs> so I met him, and he was my mentor, and that, you know, that's no. But I, I just was like, you just never know who yeah. you're gonna meet. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's incredible that we have this you know, years of experience of touring and playing in groups and working with artists and like, you know, me, you know, growing up with artists and then working with some of them and whatever, you know, these people, I never really get to hear them tell stories the way I want to hear them there because they're usually so, you know, contrived and it's like, you know, sure. well, here's six minutes to do this or whatever. So it, right, right. you know, I, I love yeah. it. When you called, I mean, it took me like an eighth of a second to go like, yeah, let's do it. And it's also, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that I think these stories are important because, you know, for instance, like, you know, Fred Wesley, he, um, James Brown's trombone player, he's yeah. known for being James Brown's trombone player, but, but he's played trombone with many, many people. Yeah. Um, and um, he, I was on tour with him for, I think we were on a bus together for three weeks. Whoa. And... Um, did you read his book, by the way? Yes, I did. Stellar. He's stellar. And not only was his book good, but... Basically, you know how he, when he it was like after the gig was done, he would just hold court. Yeah. And the thing about him was is that he is a intellectually brilliant guy, yeah. and he has a very interesting, which doesn't come across as much in the book because I think he, he I think he was very smart in how he wrote that book because mm. he could be very dangerous, you know. Um, but 
you know, he was just very interesting in his he, his psychological profiles of people right. were really spot on and just to the point of where, you know, I'm sure a practicing psychologist is like, I just be like, okay, he maybe might know a little more about my field than I know myself. But right. the fact of the matter is, if you hang around with somebody like James Brown or Van Morrison or these people long enough, and you're a guy like Fred and you're that smart and you're that yeah. uh, incisive, uh, not incisive, you're that insightful, insightful you, you're able to to start figuring out things about people and you know and he would just break it down night after night after night wow. and I was just like wow this is pretty pretty damn incredible to experience this well what were the circle what, what tour were you on where it was this thing with Mike Clark um, Fred Wesley myself DJ logic and uh, this guy Robert Walter keyboard keyboard player Amateurs. Yeah, amateurs. Amateurs. Did, amateurs. Did anybody Absolutely come to see amateurs. it? I, Robert Walter, the 20th. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's great. It, it was really, really fun. We had a good time. Um, Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was, oh, man. It's kind of awesome. And uh, Fred was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know? But here's a guy. Honestly, I mean, I just read the book. I've never met him. I've never been around him. I wouldn't know that he would hold court. I wouldn't know oh, that yeah, he would yeah. just be... You know, and I, yeah, but he didn't hold court in a way like right. Fred, uh, no, it's like we would be like Fred. Come on, tell us. Yeah, come on, come on, Grandpa. You know, not Grandpa. He wasn't that old. Yeah, yeah, no. Come on, you know, elder wise one, tell us the. Sure. You know, let us have the knowledge. Let us have the tales. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, it's just like things like that that you you want to preserve, and you're not going to get that if you're someone who is not essentially quote unquote one of us. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because not you, you're not going to have that ability to, to say to let the stories come out the way that they would naturally I think, no you know no you know i mean you have to be on your guard i've done a million interviews not a million but enough to know yeah, that 900 something thousand yeah I, you I, have to be very very careful because you know oh boy yeah you have to be very careful because they're looking to kind of sell a story yeah and um you know and, and if you're a musician and a non-musician is talking to you if they a lot of people don't understand what this whole hustle really is about. Mm -hmm. They really don't. And that's totally understandable because it's weird. It's completely off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. But the problem for us is that it allows lots of room for people to project their um, attitudes yeah. upon us. And you can get some people that are really out there to cut you down for reasons that really have nothing to do with who you are as a person or you, who you are as a musician. So you, you get you get cut down a few times and you start to really be very, very careful about what you say. Yeah. And I was hoping that this could be more of a forum for people to say whatever the heck they wanted to because yeah. I'm not in the business of trying to cut any musicians. No, down, no, you know? no. Not in the least. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the interview thing. It's like I always think of interviews when you kind of feel someone have... Um, sort of insert their narrative or whatever they think they're trying to get out of it. I, I always start answering questions that haven't been asked because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I have my own and I'm, if I'm going to yeah, be yeah, here sure. and I know this is going south or this is going to yeah, go yeah. where I, you just kind of, you have to make it work for you. But like, I want to know where this is going, you know? Yeah. Or at least I know what I just said. So you can't really, you know, take it in whatever direction you want to take it. In. Right. But, yeah, it, it, it can get weird and yeah, I, I you know, if it's if we have one mantra it's just like, yeah, no no sort of like, you know, preconceived like, you know, well, I'm talking to you for this reason and this is my thought of you, about you, so this is why you're here yeah, bullshit. Exactly. It's like, hey man, if you if you have an interview with somebody, um, and they know a lot or are really passionate about something that has nothing to do with music, then they can go ahead and 
mm. go for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm interested in that. Yeah, yeah. How about it? So, all right. So, who are some people that you want to speak to? I mean, or, or, or I guess at this point, we can say sort of some of the people we've spoken to. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, for me... You know, when I was sitting and thinking about some of the people I've always wanted to interview, people that I kind of know fairly well. You right. Know? Uh, and Mike Clark was always one that I wanted to interview because he is just a person who has um, not just contributed his own particular style of playing drums and music in a very big way, but he was also came up in the ranks in the mid-60s in, you know, playing with these organ groups and doing yeah. all these other groups where... It's like, man, he's got this insane wealth of information and the stories he tells about the Luanda Page and, um, um, yeah. you know, and all that this stuff, stuff is just is so, so brilliant, you know, and he talks about Oakland and all those things. I mean, the time and the place, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. I mean, that's gone. I mean, like, even, like, organ groups, like, if you organ tenor groups, it's gone. it's gone. But there's so much magic that came out of Absolutely. it. And there's so much influence Absolutely. on the culture. Even if you just took it to a point where it's just like, Hip hop guys sampling stuff, right? Or, or, or you know, there's this thing. It grew out of you know, and that's that, a, yeah. that's a big thing he talks about. Mike talks about being you know, sampling yeah. how many times, how many millions yeah. of records sold. He said like fifty six million or like, like some that. ridiculous like, yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, and he hasn't seen a dime from. from no, that. I talked about that with Les McCann. You did, yeah. yeah. I actually hipped him to a couple record, and then, you know what? I didn't keep it in the interview because there were certain aspects of it where. I don't want less seen in a, in a certain it's, like it's he's really not that or anything guy. like that. It's, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it is a trip, you know. Like there's the you know, and well, I I let the cat out of the bag. I right, right. it's we called this compared to what exactly based yeah, on totally. how much we love Les McCann and Eddie Harris and just that whole time, that whole period, that you know, that vibe, that era, you know, like exactly. So you know, Les was great. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. Some of those stories are great. And, you know, those are the stories that I grew up as a young musician around older musicians hearing all the time and being like, are these guys serious? Do yeah. they really mean this? Is this yeah. what they're talking about? <laughs> you know, oh my yeah. God, what does this mean? You know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I know in a, the the um, the interview with, I always wanted to interview Jim Campolongo because he was a guy, a guy yeah. a fantastic guitar. Just let me hear what you're, you're talking about. The, the people that I put on the list to interview and um we've done quite a few of them already yeah. you know and i'm so i'm looking forward to the upcoming as well and you keep meeting people and and you know you'll be sitting in a conversation with someone and you know i'm just like man i don't have my recorder what oh, a drag i'm gonna bring yeah. that with me all the time because you're gonna come upon people that's like wow is this really yeah. you know my my goal and i don't know which one of us will do it i want to interview a toll booth worker so oh, that works boy. <laughs> and you better do that fast because that's something they're going, away. They're going away you know i want to interview an easy pass reader yeah interview the robot sometimes i can feel the vibes of the people feeling like maybe this toll is a little expensive <laughs> yeah i yeah there's definitely uh yeah i'm just trying to think man there's there's we have a chef a couple authors a director yeah. you know I do dig that it's it's it strays from music because in all the conversations with people that aren't musicians, we actually talk more about music and those exactly, and yeah, more about yeah. like sort of almost politics and like what it was like to come up and the struggle of being a musician with musicians. With musicians, exactly. It's yeah, like and I don't know what the, what the story you can get is. Yeah, it's very cool, and I think that also when you are a musician, uh, people generally 
like, you know, in traveling around, you know, people generally want to talk to you because it's just so weird. They want yeah. to know, well, how did, how does this work? And you know, sometimes it might be a drag, like the, some of the questions they ask, but, oh, they, but they're asking it from an honest place and, oh, yeah. and they're just curious, like, you know, how, how do you do that? The way, the way that I put it is like, you know, when people find out you're a, mu- a musician, go Mookie. Yeah. Mookie, let them have it. They, when they people find out you're a musician, they, they kind of, they think of you as somewhere in between like God and the dishwasher. <laughs> and they can't really figure it out. Like what is it? Oh, is he God for this five minutes? Okay. Let me be, let me treat him like God or no, he's a dishwasher now because you know, he definitely doesn't get paid as much as me. And oh, uh, you yeah. know, it's just like, Oh, okay. Well that's okay. Feel free. It's enjoyable to see you run up and down the spectrum there. Oh man. You know, I got it. Most of my experience has been, actually actually I was gonna say mostly like being treated like a dishwasher that's not true because if you have something that someone can identify yeah. with be like, oh I heard that D'Angelo record or sure, I, I, sure. I saw Devil Wears Prada or whatever it's like I, I saw your music in something and my favorite thing is like if anyone sees oh I saw a car commercial you're rich yeah oh yeah like, I am that's amazing really yeah, I, they didn't even get a Chevy out of yeah. that. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad they used it, but you know, please. It's very. I mean, it's kind of beautifully naive to assume that kind of stuff. I mean, not always so beautiful for, for no. us. You know, I mean, basically, Mostly not. You know, you you spend a lot of time getting cheated out of money, or if you really want to find your money, you're going to spend more energy finding it. You know, than than not. Yeah. yeah, it's like Lenny Bruce basically at the end of his life becoming a lawyer because he was in so many court yes, cases. Yes, and yeah. So it's like, oh, wow, that seems to, know, that didn't little, work out well. It takes know? a lot of energy, man. I mean, well, he's let's just put it this way. He's not remembered for being a lawyer. No, exactly. <laughs> but what's the line you always throw? Because you, you, you bring this, you make this analogy a lot. It's like, uh, touring and being it's like choosing between like you know pushing a van oh yeah yeah that's yeah. the way I feel like hey man if you if you really want to do this music thing just just stop for a minute and think would you be able to push a van uphill with the road moving in the opposite direction and people all your your loved ones on the side ones sidelines throwing shit at you and heckling you while you're doing this if you're down, then let's yeah. do Sign let's up, do son. It. Sign up today. I My dad used to always refer to it as rollerblading up Vaseline Mountain. <laughs> so when so when you're when you're like 15 and, and like your main mentor is saying, well, I really want you to come into this, but this is what you should expect. Exactly. And then oh. you go, wow, he was, he, or, or, or hanging from the 11th floor of the Vaseline building. Exactly. A lot of Vaseline. It is like, they had a lot of lubrication issues. People in that era had a lot of Vaseline stuff. But that's, but that's the era where like, you know, where are my royalties? Well, here's a caddy. Like here's a Cadillac. Sure, sure. And now it's not like, now it's, it's like, um. It's you know basically all like or I did a I did a session which I I don't really do a lot of those things you know because of what I do it's much more of a live thing or a, a recording but sometimes I get called to do sessions you know studio sessions and you know and it was such the session was totally fine yeah. but getting the money out of the record company and the lawyer and the union and all of oh, it's so much trouble that like I have a new thing where it's like hey. Uh, you know, if someone calls you up, hey, man, can you do a recording session? If it's a friend, I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, your budget yeah. allows, you know. Um, if it's a, one of these big corporations, you go, okay, yeah, sure, well, what's your rate? Oh, well, there's two rates. Yeah. If if uh, you pay me in a check and I have to deal with your people, 
it's it's ten thousand dollars. <laughs> if you pay me in cash, it's five hundred dollars. If you yes. pay me, I mean, if you pay me in a, in a in a personal check, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh. It's just like boom, and we'll do it. And then I'm just like, I know because really it should be fifteen hundred dollars. But yeah. if I'm spending like ten man hours trying to track yeah. down that money, it's like then it's it's gone. It's done. You know. Oh man. Oh, don't even get me started on that stuff. That's uh, oh, like, well, that's, yeah, yeah. you're stuck in trade. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 and it's just like, it's kind of surreal because it either goes really smoothly because they know, well, we need this. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, my favorite thing ever, I, I, I let a company, a special, uh, all the companies have like, you know, special marketing, special products, yeah. you know, so you'll let them use a song for a thing and they sure. bundle it with a bigger, you know, like a coffee company yeah. or whatever. So you know the concept of we we both have record deals. You yeah. get an advance, yeah, and then like you never see money again. <laughs> exactly, absolutely, absolutely. I got my advance a year after the product in question was released. Wow. So when you get your advance after something is already no like it's no law. It's like wait a minute. I I didn't even remember yeah, doing yeah. the deal to do this. So that's pretty much the landscape of sure. like I I yeah. assume anytime. I kind of work on something. I'm like, well, I'm going to get paid. Like, yeah. it, it's just, you know, let me see what it's Hanukkah right now. I'm going to get paid. <laughs> I'm a bomber. You know, exactly. whatever. Sorry, folks. I got a little Jewish. <laughs> on you. Basically what I'm trying to say Stop is it. it takes about two years. Stop. Oh, sorry, master. Yeah. It takes forever. Yeah. Unless they really need something. Yeah. Oh, and then well, it right. doesn't. And then it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because you know, the, the, I remember playing with some of the older guys back in the day and um, and being like, man, what's up with these grumpy dudes? Like, what? Oh. I mean, and, and then I realized, like, you know, they're always telling me, hey, you you know, young man, you better get the money in cash and you yeah. you better get a cash up front because you're never going to see any other money once they get it. Cash up front, cash up front. I'm like, oh, these guys must be crazy because that's no way to run a business. That's <laughs> no, I, I can't understand, Mary Jane. How do you, you make that happen? And let me tell you, man. Yeah, you they're know, right. 30 years later, I'm like, wow, these guys were on the money. Oh, man. I mean, it's like, and some of those guys... You know, and this is the interest. All right, and it just depends on like what, how much anger you want to hold on to, or how much, you know, sure. like you want to talk about. Like, a lot of my friends that I worked with that that were my dad's friends, you know, they come from like having, you know, they'll do like they'll be working on three or four records a week, mm-hmm. and then like that's at night, and then during the day would be you know commercials and jingles and like, so when I when I broke in and I started playing like. You know, I would roll into a session and it would be like, hey, yeah, Adam, yeah, hey, Joel's kid, you know, like, and it would be like, you know, Bernard Purdy or wow. like, you know, it would be yeah, like sure. someone that like, and, I, and I'm not going to say him in, in particular, I won't say anybody's name, but talk about guys that like, you know, they're, they're like, they wouldn't even talk about get paid in cash. They would say like, pull back a little, like, don't write so much on well like as a side yeah, man like because yeah. you're not getting it like play yeah, what yeah, needs yeah. to get played yeah, don't yeah. overplay don't have too many exactly, ideas because exactly. half of these guys would talk about like you know i'd be like oh tell me about that record you know whatever you know that you worked on and it'd be like oh yeah i wrote the bridge yeah um and there would be this right here man yeah. i've done it a number of times yeah. you know and and uh, but you because you have the best intentions you want to go in there and you want to make the music the best it can be you don't want to go in there like a 
like a 1950s Ford employee where you're trying to do as little as possible to save the job. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, You know, you're trying to, to, to put your best foot forward and do some yeah. stuff. And I mean, I've been involved in many things where I've written songs and gotten nothing for it. Nothing, yeah. you know? But you're not angry about that stuff, man. You don't, I mean, I guess maybe you were in the moment or maybe... Not really. I don't I get mean, that vibe you know, from you. I'm angrier than really you. Worth... I'll hit you. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to hit me a few times. There's a lot of scar tissue. <laughs> No, it's just, it is interesting, though, like, this concept of, like, you know, I'm similar to you, like, the, the intentions are great, I always think of it like, well, you hired me, like, I'm gonna make you a pair of pants, and they are, they are gonna, yeah, exactly, exactly, your ass is gonna yeah, look yeah. great, you know, yeah, like, yeah, and totally, it's, totally. you get, you know, then it, you know, at that point, you just, you know. Yeah, you, you gotta do, you know, your best, but it's interesting, I mean, I, I wish, you know, you would talk more about your experience being in amongst your dad and that culture of that time because yeah. that recording culture was the culture that, that was time. it that was the top of of the heap because the recording guys were guys that had reached the pinnacle they didn't want to go on the road no they had other musicians no them. and now that has really switched essentially the yeah more of the road guys are more of the, the people who yeah. are doing the the are there other guys? Edge. There are no other guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the the whole studio thing has turned into something very different. It's like the studio thing means that you are a one man shop and you do everything. Yeah. If you choose to play that's, bass on your that's, track, that's yeah, what you do. That's my thing. If and you choose to play bass, fine. Yeah. But you don't have to. No. You know. No. And 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 you know, quite honestly, like when I, it's funny. Like I think about the studio thing. I caught. I don't know. You. It sounds like you did too. But I. I was in more of a. You played on hipper records. I played on. I don't know. Like, if I played on well, hipper well, records. Well, I mean, I played on like so. I, you know, I I started. I came through. Sort of like Marcus Miller's filter of like I watched. I sat with him for a couple yeah. of years. I watched those guys. I became friends with all those guys. You were an apprentice. Yes. Yeah. Never sat down with me one time to show me anything. Never, never, yeah. never explained tech, nothing about you playing bass. If you want to get it, you're gonna. Get you're it. just gonna watch. And, you know, my thing was I watched, and believe it or not, I kept my mouth shut, and I watched. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to play on records. I want to produce records. And, you know, my old man basically, like, he put me in the position to learn about that stuff. But he certainly, boy, he wasn't working for, like, maybe five Right. Five to eight years. Right. It was like, like he always would refer to like Thelonious Monk used to call like his down period the unyears. The unyears. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. And nothing. that's totally apt. That's a very apt description. So I always felt like, you know, like extremely proud of being my old man's kid, and like I think sometimes the perception. Maybe I kind of fed into this more, you know, because I'm angry or whatever. But I would always see people like, oh, your dad did everything for you. I'm like, my dad did everything for me. Like, he wasn't paying his phone yeah, bill yeah, for yeah, like, exactly. you know, I'm like, he was yeah, yeah. he was busting his ass yeah. to like get some gigs. But I, I saw the real session thing where it was like, you know, I would do a jingle and then I would work on a record. And then like because of technology and the way things changed, I caught that sort of transition into like, well, I own a computer. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can buy a sampler. You saw you the know? cookie crumbling. And you oh, right yeah. yeah. I did some touring with some, with some, actually some international artists where, you know, I made enough bread to like, actually be able to buy, the gear used to be so oh, expensive. Oh, nuts how expensive So crazy. Like yeah. I bought an MPC 3000, which is an Akai sampler. And like literally now you can get like whatever, the software version for like 79 bucks or whatever. Right. 
Like I spent like three thousand bucks sure. on a thing that, that was still the needed industry standard. Yeah, but it needed like eight other things yeah. to, to even get to the next. <laughs> so long story short, I knew what was coming, and I actually learned this from from a guy. It's a guy named Jason Miles, who actually I, I'd like to interview. Actually, he's a really funny guy, a real survivor in the music business. Like, you know, he used to like he owned every synthesizer, so. You know, like he could play, but he also knew he had all the gear. So guys that were making records would hire him because he knew how to make the sounds. Oh, wow. yeah. And he knew, you know, like, and if he wasn't going to play on the stuff, he could make the sound. And mm -hmm. then like the guys would play. He'd be like, oh, get me uh, whatever, like a bell sound sure. on this Oberheim synth or whatever. So And that was very complicated back then. Those very complicated. Those sounds right was very, I, yeah. people don't understand how long it took two guys to get those sounds on, in, in, on lab coats. <laughs> in lab coats yeah yeah but i mean he was smart enough to know very early on like this is moving in a direction where it's not always going to be musicians playing all this stuff sure. like they're drum machines and i need to learn all this stuff so i learned early on plus i just loved it i mean yeah. you know i saw oh man talk we were talking earlier about like child like childhood things where your parents shouldn't take you around certain things like yeah. <laughs> my mom, God bless her, because in a lot of ways, this was really important to me, took me to see, I think I was, man, I was like eight, eight years old, yeah. I went to see Midnight Express. Oh, at eight, God! Turkish Revenge! Oh, no! Oh, that's <laughs> terrible! But Giorgio Moroder oh, did the score, goodness. and it, I, I, to this day, I'm like, when I hear those... You know, there's a couple themes in there, and I hear them, I, I like get goosebumps because it's, it's so organic. Yeah, you know, it's organic, but it's also very uh, terrifying. Oh, kind of. yeah. So I can't come up with the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That movie was out of hand, and you're eight, and then you're like, what's that sound? You're like, I went from like, oh my God, I never want to do drugs. Yeah, like, yeah. I never did drugs because of that movie. I swear, <laughs> I never, never did drugs. I think everyone, oh, you're a musician. You Scared and straight. Woo! Yeah. Straight and then not straight and back again. Like, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, basically, the, the gist of this is I caught the end of really being a studio musician and playing on, like, you know, uh, you know I'm trying to think, like, uh, who, was, who was Steve Martin's uh, wife? The, the red-headed uh, Bernadette Peters. Oh, yeah. Like, I played on a Bernadette Peters yeah. record, you know, and it was, like, you know, Hugh McCracken and Steve oh, Maroney. Wow. Like, it was, like, all these... You know, like, you would just do these kinds yeah, of gigs, yeah. and you caught that vibe, and guys were working, and right. and then grand opening, grand closing. Yeah, Like, quickly. I caught the quickly. end. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a couple buddies. My buddy Wolf, uh, Stephen Wolf, and drummer, great drummer. Yeah, but see, and Stephen is also someone we should really interview as well. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. And he, the thing that's interesting about him is, is that he... still he, does it. <laughs> well, but he still does it, but he, like you... He has modified it to a point where it really works for him because, mm. you know, I mean, he's one of the great drummers out there, but yeah. he doesn't even own a drum set. Nope. And that's right. He, he has that. mastered that entire digital way of making yeah. music from. But I think that to be really, really good at it, like he is, you have to come from a background of knowing how. It's like, listen, if you're a sculptor, you need to know how to draw. Absolutely. Simple, you know. And, and he's a drummer. You know that knows how to play because in in honestly when we we were kids we grew up together, I remember you know, one week he played with Mel Torme at at wow. at like you know what is it um, play with Mel Torme at Radio City, 
And like three days later, he's playing with the Annie Lennox. Right. And yeah, I'm like, awesome. and he killed on both. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just that's like great. that's that thing. Like if it was if it was 1971, he would have been in Atlantic Studios. Yeah. Uh-huh. He would have played on Fresh. You know, he would have played sure, on. Sure. Like he just has like that thing. But yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. But it is about and, and this is yeah. cool in a way. Like we're talking to a lot of guys that are peers, and we're talking to a lot of guys that went through it. So we're getting people that are talking about what the transition has felt like and what they do now. Yes. Like, I mean, listen, when you sat down with Eric Kalb, who, you know, I yeah, went to yeah, school with, yeah. I mean, those stories are amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's got great stories. But I also just love how he talked about, I got out of school and I just, I played with this band. Yeah. And we just, I just got my shit together and I didn't really know, like, you know, even Monty Cross says the same thing. Yeah. I moved to Brooklyn and, you know, what is it, Fort Greene or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's like. Yeah. Just was trying to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, guys have this trying thing. Trying to find their way. Just tr- and and here's the thing that will never change. And actually, Curtis Fox through the line. I don't know if it was you or Curtis, but the thing that won't change is there's always forty bucks to be made on <laughs> on the gig. There's always, there's always like fifty forty. It's, it's fifty dollar well, gig of twenty years ago in New York is still a fifty dollar $50 gig. gig. Only it costs twenty five dollars to yes. get there. Yes. You know? Oh my and your God. rent is ten times what it was. So. I remember I I felt so bad. I would do these gigs in Lower East Side at um, what was it? what's the name of that uh, Ilhan? Uh, oh, New Blue. New Blue. So yeah. I, we did like a, just a truckload of gigs, and I always felt so bad. Like Mikey, you know, and Biondo, and yeah, all these yeah. cats would come out, you know, trumpet player and bass trumpet player, and I would just be like, they're coming from Brooklyn. I don't have a ton of money to give them. I yeah, always yeah. give them their checks. Like I would pay them with a check, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. and I would be I would always make sure to pay. Because I knew that their car, their car cost more exactly. than anything, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, It's unbelievable. But Curtis said he was doing a gig and it was 20 bucks a man. So you were like, well, it's now it's 50. And he goes, well, go, you get a dollar a year for every, <laughs> for every year. And that blew me away. Yeah, one dollar a year. Uh, that's it. Yeah, oh, Talk that's about so it funny. not adjusting for inflation. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just don't know how people do it. You know, and there are all these myths about like, oh, if you want to make money as a musician, you know, like, well, you, you need to tour. And I'm like, who, yeah. who said, really? Are yeah, you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. Well, but, but that's true to a certain extent, but. Yeah, if you're the red hot right. <laughs> And the pro- Yeah, the problem is, is that basically, and I, and I also think, you know, that, that the generation coming up now, they've got a real, you know, rough road to hoe, as they say, because these guys are, being judged on an era they're being judged on metrics from an era that no longer exists exactly and they are being going to these music schools which basically teach them absolutely nothing about making a living as a musician i will say this i mean and i did go to a school when there was like the different structure of making a living no no one no one taught me a thing at that school about making a living as being a musician right they just said you know you Learn all eleven choruses of Train Solo and Cousin Mary on bass. Right. You know that's really yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, you know it's like okay, well I can do this. I'm I'm going to get fired immediately. Yeah, yeah, immediately. No, exactly. No. Well, but you know it's all. There's no such thing as bad knowledge. It just depends upon how much time you have to do, to devote to a specific kind of knowledge. It's not going to maybe serve you that well. No. But you know the and it, there is money to be made in touring. But you yeah. have to be in a very specific spot to be able to yeah. make it. And you also have to be very savvy about how you make it. And you yeah. also have to be, if you're young, you need to get hired by a guy that's my age. Sure. You know, or older. 
so that you can learn the ropes the apprenticeship way, which yeah. is ultimately the only way you're going to learn anything of worth in this business. That's know? why I do believe it was funny. I saw this thing uh, last week. I don't know if you saw this. I posted this thing on on the Facebooks uh, where it was like the supposed like Tom York and Moby had like some argument about like these you know music services like Spotify and Pandora. Right, and right. Moby intelligently said, you know, well, you know, being mad at Spotify, I mean, my, my analogy would be like, well, Spotify, like, why don't you just, it's not going away, why don't you just go punch the ocean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, useless. right, exactly, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was basically called, and it wasn't even like a real thing, but he said, you know, Tom York is an old man yelling at a passing train kind of thing, and I'm thinking to myself, one, I don't insult anybody in Radiohead. Like, I yeah, just think right, they're right, really right, right. hip guys. But he wasn't really insulting anyone. I think what he was saying, and actually, he's someone I might want to sit down with. I mean, he's a friend of mine. Oh, okay. And, I don't you know, know him. I only yeah, know I, him. I know him. He's an, he's a very intelligent guy. But what he what he basically said where he's off base is, you know, well, musicians have so many ways to make money now. They can DJ, they can do remixes, they can tour, they can release records, and they don't have to worry about record companies. I'm thinking to myself, now let me see, you have $11.5 million. Yes. And, and I'm just yes. thinking, like, wow, you're, you're a little detached. I, I have 11. 11. Well, but that's, I have 11 lira. Yeah, and that's also the thing that people just don't know. I mean, I remember being out on the Lollapalooza tour one time, and, and I mean, I, we were playing on the side stage. You yeah. know, we were driving around in a minivan. Which is essentially what we still do, you know. Absolutely. And um, we went out, like, you know, the bunch of the rock stars that were on that were really into what we were doing. So, sure. like, hey, come on, we're going to go out to this fancy restaurant kind of thing. It's like the Oyster and blah, blah, blah house. And I was just like, they have no idea that we don't have millions. They don't, and it's not, they don't They just think you're awesome, so you're... They, they think, oh, these guys are really good. They must have the same amount of money as, as I do, which just kind of blows me away. So, like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't really pay for a $100 meal right yeah. now. I, my rent is $100. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. can't, I can't pay that. But, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a disconnect. And, you know, how about history is written by the winners. So the problem, and yes. another thing I wanted to do with this yeah. was to have the discourse not be only the winners. Not be people that basically are, have a massive soapbox to stand on, but aren't necessarily the most intelligent people. You know, so I won't sit down with him. <laughs> no, no, sit down with him. It's great. I mean, I no, think it's no, he's, he would be, it's he would be interesting. No, that's great. If it's anything, he loves having his balls broken. Like, he, he's, oh, really? he's like one of those dudes. Oh, wait, you just put me in my place. Like, he's yeah, yeah. he's got a sense of humor. It's just the world isn't really privy to yeah, it. Yeah, and some people are going to be. They're going to be right place, right time, and sure, they're going to get sure. it. And you know, and there's not much you can do. You can't be bitter about that. And also, you know, yeah. what people don't realize is like. I've worked with John Mayer, you know, he used to yeah. come to my gigs when he was a young guy and yeah. was, you know, oh, Mr. Hunter, will you sign my guitar pedal? And and I like the guy, I think he's talented, you yeah, know, and, I, and I really like his songwriting and some of the stuff, but yeah. it's just like people are like, oh man, you know, will come up to me at the gig, man, John Mayer stole all your stuff and that's what? bullshit and man, I hear his stuff playing on this tune, sounds like you, I'm just like, man, well, check out how many people's stuff I stole yeah. and... You wouldn't care about John Mayer if he didn't somehow manage to yeah. to be one of the lucky guys that had talent and was in the right place at the right time and knew how to manipulate sure. and use it. You know, so my attitude about that is that, that that's all good. I don't want that either. Yeah, I don't yeah. want his 
I, I could not live his life. It would I, it would overwhelm me. I would be in a in an insane asylum in moments. Really? It would be too much. I think you'd be fine. I mean, I could use the money, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able, none of the rest of it. I, I just couldn't handle it, you know. It's just not my, I'm, I'm happy. I would like to, yeah. to make a thousand dollars more a month. That would be helpful, but I, I don't have my Dream sights, big! Dream big! I don't have my sights set on any gigantic, you know, massive quantity of money. And that's the thing is that people, people also need to understand is like, you can make a living as a musician if you kind of, you know, do some Berkeley like BS, you subvert the dominant paradigm. Don't believe, don't believe that the only it's like way... It's a public enemy it's record that, that never... Subvert the dominant paradigm. paradigm. And it's also yeah. no good. It's like ultimately yeah. the whitest thing you could ever try to rap. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hawking. Yes, that's yes. yes. so Berthy Dominant Paradigm. Um, but, but yeah, as, but you know, a, you can make a living as a musician if you put your nose to the grindstone and you find a way to to do it. You, you know? know what? And, and in a way, actually, and we could probably wrap up because you know, actually, I feel like we're talking to people that in any field you can do that. You know what I mean? Right. Like you know, like Paul Canales. I mean, his description of opening a restaurant... Oh, that was fantastic. I mean, yeah. I don't even want to give it yeah, away. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's so spectacular. Yeah. It puts it in, it's in such a perspective, like, you know, it's like, you put your nose to the grindstone and, and you, honestly, you know what, if our goal is to just speak to those kinds of people and we hear their stories, the Monty Crofts, the Dion yeah. Farris's, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Vince Wilburn, you know, the, I, it's a lot of people. I mean, actually, you know, we're doing this, this is our first episode. Yeah. But... But we're sort of in the catbird seat because we have 16 or 17 of these things Absolutely, in the can. Yeah. So, you know, I think people are going to really enjoy this. And, man, when we get that Himmler Rope Company sponsorship, so oh, it so is happening. on Lollapalooza, yeah. like whatever, yeah, yeah. Ropapalooza. Yeah. And the, maybe hopefully the North Korean one, Kimler. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. Kim, Kim, don't Kimler. Give, Kimler. <laughs> wow. Kimler. Heil Kimler. Oh, God. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Well, if scratch anything, we know. We're going to scratch No, that stays. Uh, yeah, we're going to really... the mud? How's the mud? Yeah, remember that line, folks. Um, so, yeah. Compare it to what? I mean, like, I, I wouldn't even begin to think, like, you know, we don't need to... Well, why did you name it that? None of your business. We are trying to make it real compared to what? 